The, all the writers that I admire, and I'm fed by literature more than I am by visual art, like Raymond Carver, like Alice Munro, Joyce Carol Oates, our whole posse of amazing young Irish writers that we have at the moment, it's all minimalist, it's all those tiny details, and that just sends shivers down my spine. I think it's the most exciting thing. This is Social Fabric, conversations with people about their passion and their contribution to the community. For more information, go to socialfabric.ie. Between heaven and hell Said one was above, one was below the ground Who's gonna follow me down? Um, what I love about this, that um, there's people I don't really know Like I don't know you at all Yes But then uh, I just look around a little bit to see who you're talking to There's some, uh, yeah. some very interesting stuff coming up um, that one makes sense. Sorry. <laughs> you might have <laughs> I'll stop that's interfering okay. with it. <laughs> yeah, try not to touch because <laughs> it gets. That's fine. Okay, so Sarah Bowie, thanks a million again. There's a f- quite a few things I want to ask you. When I went to do a tiny bit of research on you online, I, I there was so much I wanted to talk to you about, and uh, I think the very first thing I wanted to talk to you about is. Um, your, your work, your current work, because I was reading and I don't really know what you do. Yeah. So you, you're a visual analyst? <laughs> yeah, that makes it sound very... Um, yes, I, I'm a graphic designer stroke illustrator. So I started, I was a freelance illustrator for a few years and I started around this time last year for a large multinational consultancy company, one of the biggest ones in the world. Um, have opened quite recently within the last couple of years um, what's called an innovation hub mm. which is something that's very on trend and buzzwordy at the moment everybody's innovating like a mad thing um, but basically it's a centre that's kind of dedicated to research and to workshopping through ideas with their clients um, and so there is a big demand for sort of um it's it's design thinking is what it's called so they're really drawing heavily on uh design based creative people i suppose to help visualize sometimes sort of complex information and to to just it's another approach to problem solving okay so it's not necessarily a designing a product it's it's putting into shape some thinking is that is it's that? I it's it's around thinking more so okay. so um my role kind of splits in, in, into two areas there's the more traditional graphic design element so that could be anything from collateral that they would use in a workshop session from the actual workbook that they'll be using to uh, installations in the room that they're in that help inspire them and and keep them on track for whatever it is they're trying to work through process maps that sort of thing as well um to me actually being in the room during the session and capturing live while they're thinking talking discussing yeah. what they're actually it, some of the like the key thoughts the key the key things to come out of it so i sort of capture those visually and um, we have large writable walls we have large whiteboards so um yeah i'll be i'll it, it's called live scribing and i'll be in there doing that as well okay. wow do you enjoy it I do. I um, at first I found the live scribing element both scary 
<laughs> and um, it it was a big learning curve, but the the beauty of it is is it's a fly on the wall kind of position to be in because you're not directly involved in facilitating the session, but you're you're hearing you know people talking about the most interest like basically the issues that like the leading companies in the world are grappling with and it's just fascinating it's a like they're talking about really interesting stuff from like ai to blockchain to to really sort of key key themes that are just really relevant at the moment it's just really interesting i've learned a lot yeah yeah that's as i say when i was reading i I just couldn't get my head around what it meant but that's why i was very curious yeah i'm kind of a little bit obscure about it because no, yeah, I, I it's still a new role for me. It's still a new role. I don't know how much I identify with it, but I'm learning so much from it and I'm getting a lot out of it. So is this a relatively new role? Yeah. It's one of those new jobs that we hear about because, uh, you know, totally. I, I talk to, to my kids sometimes and they were talking about, uh, you know, you should be doing this studying because of that, you know, that job you can get. But now they, they say it's something like 60% of the jobs that are going to be there by the time they finish school, they're not, they don't exist yet. This job did not exist two years ago in Dublin. Wow. It would have been in the early stages in London, in Berlin, in New York, but it would not have existed in Dublin. Um, and it's really weird. Dublin has to, it's a really good time for, for like your, your daughter's generation because Dublin's exploding again. Like I've been Celtic Tiger, I've been bust, where you're just absolutely stuck. You're like just literally bottom of the heap. And I see Dublin flourishing again. And it's it's weird. It's fascinating. And yeah, you don't have a clue. And the speed at which it's developing, you just can't predict it at all. What's going to be around in another two, three, four years time. So it's exciting, exciting. Uh, one of the first songs, the first songs you gave me is, we just listened to it in the car coming over. Telephone and Rubber Band oh, yeah. by Penguin Cafe Orchestra. Yeah. What's it all about? I'm not going to have very deep and meaningful explanations okay. for my song choices. Um, I've always loved instrumental music. I, and not through any sort of level of sophistication, but for some reason, I never listened to pop music as a teenager. I only listened to classical music. And it's not because I come from a very cultivated background or anything like that. It's just what I liked. Um, so I've always had a soft spot for for instrumental and I think sort of instrumental. And I, I stumbled across that one a few years ago and um, that sort of the Penguin Cafe Orchestra. And I particularly loved that that piece. And I don't know, it's just the way they play. They, they were that generation of the late 70s, early 80s, where they were playing with recorded sound from the natural environment and they were juxtaposing it with more traditional kind of classical sounds and I don't know it just activates something I just enjoy it
want to ask you about um, the other aspect of your working stroke, passion life. Um, you put together the Comic Lab. Oh, yeah, yeah. And um, the first Irish French Comics Festival, am I right? Yeah. Um, what, um, tell me about that that whole thing. How did you come about? Why did you put it together? Yeah. It came about because I've been around for a long time and Dublin is a very different place now to what it was when I was in my early 20s. And when I was in my early 20s, it was... I don't know. And it could just have been how I felt in myself. But something brilliant happened during the recession where there was a flourishing. There was just like a birth of all sorts of like there was Dublin softened up and and things could flourish in, in little secret places. And prior to that, it was quite hard. It was quite money, 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 materialistic. Uh, and for someone like me who hadn't studied art, hadn't studied anything creative. I was working in the financial sector, but I really wanted to do something creative. And I did. I, I was really interested in, in comics, not traditional comics, more um, manga and stuff like that that I had stumbled across. I know this is a bit... I'm going off on a tangent here. I will, get, I will get Keep back going. to it. Um, and there didn't seem to be very many opportunities um, to find other people who were interested in the same stuff that I was in. But I did make make a big effort and so I would go along to comic conventions and they were always completely male. Like th- there might be like one or two female like stall holders, but they were predominantly male. It was always uh, derivative American genres of like sci-fi detective. It was always very hard, very masculine. And while the, the guys were always friendly or whatever, it was... And, you know, it, it was okay. I found it really hard to find a place where I fit, where I belonged. And in the end, I, I stepped away from making comics myself. I was making them on a very small scale. Um, and I kind of stepped away from a lot of the artistic stuff again until I lost my job, um, whenever that was, 2012, roughly, I think, just before Christmas. Um, but it was actually great. I was delighted. But um, not to be flippant, but actually it gave me the push that I was too scared to take myself. Um, It kind of reignited a lot of those passions that I'd had in my 20s and I just felt that I still wasn't quite seeing what I wanted to see in the comic scene in Ireland and if I wasn't finding it then yeah maybe I would just have to get off my backside and help to make it happen. And I was lucky enough to find a couple of kindred spirits in Debbie Jenkinson and Paddy Lynch who felt the same way and we put our heads together and the comics lab was born. Very good. And uh, how long has that been going now? Well, it's no longer going in its original incarnation. I think we kept it going for about two, two and a half years. What it did was, though, it it built this like a really brilliant community of people, Um, people of all ages, from all different backgrounds, really even split on the gender thing, like loads of of girls and guys. And um, they formed really close bonds and beautiful both personal relationships and creative relationships have come out of it um, but also some of them got a fire in their belly and, and one of the the sort of regular guys used to come along Matt Mellis now runs Decaf Dublin Comics Art Festival every quarter and it's an absolutely beautiful 
oh, the kind of festival that I would have given anything for in my 20s. And I'm just so glad that it's here now in Dublin. And where does that happen? Uh, it's been happening in a few different locations. It's it's fair, again, now that Dublin's on the up, it is so hard to find locations. So um, we had been using the Dublin Food Co-op, but that's now being redeveloped. So we've been using the generator in the generator hostel in Smithfield. And I think that's where the next one's going to be. Nice. But it's great you, you did that because uh, one of the things um, that I was, I was very keen on and talking to so many people now, unless you put something into the community, you get nothing out of it. You know? So yeah. if you wanted, you wanted a comic lab, you wanted a festival, you created one and yeah. then out of that there's other things going on that's yeah. great that's brilliant you ended up going and that's another one very personal um, curiosity you ended up doing a re- residency in, in France as a yeah, France I yeah. can't pronounce the Angoulême Angoulême yeah <laughs> what is a residency what is a residency and uh, what yeah. did you do there Um, it well Angoulême is a strange little place uh, not too far from Bordeaux in sort of central France um, that I think since the 60s or 70s, the French government and whatever way their local authorities work have been pumping money into it basically to make it a centre of excellence for um, visual storytelling. So it encompasses both BD, bande dessinée, comics and animation. Um, and they have like amazing like resources, like a beautiful museum where they run the most fantastic exhibitions. They have a fantastic like library with all the comics around the world and they have these studios that they make available to uh, cartoonists from around the world um and nobody from Ireland had ever done it before and I was like and I felt too intimidated to even apply um but by chance I ended up meeting um a couple who had just finished a residency there they were from the states they'd be quite high profile like I mean they they're 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 well known but um they were really encouraging they were like of course apply why wouldn't you you know just just go for it um and I did and yeah I got accepted so I was really excited so what happened there essentially was you're you're really left to your own devices you're given the studio space um and it's up to you 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 have to put together a proposal of what you're going to work on um and you work on that there and you just have access to a wonderful network of so you created some comics, some art? Yeah, I just worked you? on my, my work, basically, while I was Fabulous. there for three months, yeah. Fabulous. Nick Cave, Into My Arms. <laughs> Beautiful song. It is. I loved that album. And actually, I, I kind of put that one down. I didn't, um, hadn't re-listened to the album in a long time. And then I was actually just re-listening to it there <laughs> yesterday when I texted you. Um, I was like, oh, actually, there's other songs in that album that I, I would have picked. But as a classic love song I just think it's so beautiful and I Nick Cave the persona I like it doesn't get me like I he's grand whatever <laughs> but he's a fantastic storyteller for me like he's he's like a Johnny Cash a Jack Burrell and Edith Piaf he is a fantastic storyteller I think he just does that brilliantly he's a he's a poet and a writer of our times really If I did, I would kneel down and ask. 
Biography as such. You mentioned school. Where, where did you grow up anyway? Dunleary. And uh, did you like Dunleary in, in Dunleary, Dunleary or Mont- just outside the village? Um, so the village, the it's town. Fun, no, it's funny you call it was a village. It was, yeah. Kingstown. <laughs> in the eighties. Um, so just up the road from it, it would have been about a fifteen-minute walk down the hill. <laughs> um, yeah, I we lived in my granny's house. Um, come from kind of a, a working class background so it was it was hard in the 80s and we were lucky my granny had a house there and we moved in when I was a little girl I had been living in Roscommon before that which is where my mother's from um, I still have vivid memories of growing up in the, like the first three years in the countryside it was it was tough to come from that up to a more urban landscape but um, yeah Dunyuri was nice I think it's changed a lot doesn't hold the same I, I kind of feel a strange disassociation with the area I can't explain it yeah no I I know I know Dunleary well I, I know exactly what you're saying I, I don't uh, never feel like I, I want to go there yeah to, especially not at the weekend now they opened a beautiful lexicon thing there I love the gorgeous. lexicon yeah. I think it's an amazing facility I'm not one of the people who's like oh you're ruining the seafront I think it's, it's beautiful mm. um it's a bit too ramped up or something, that whole buzz around Dunleary now. It's a bit too ramped up for me, but I love the sea. I still go swimming in the sea as often as I can. Um, but, yeah, I have good memories of Dunleary as it was. Good. You mentioned something uh, which I was surprised to hear, that you, you didn't do art school, you weren't in... No. Um, what, what, what did you do? Did you just uh, did your schooling? Did you go to college? I did go to college. I, um, I come from that generation where to go to college was a serious thing it wasn't a go off and explore your feelings and be creative it was a if we're putting you through this now you better be getting a bloody job at the end of it so um, I'm sure I didn't even do art in secondary school because for whatever crazy reason at the end of first year you had to choose for your junior cert between art and science so I had to give up art like there was no way I wasn't doing science but anyway, um, so I studied uh, business and languages in DCU. It was a tough four years. That was a hardcore course. DCU, don't worry. Uh, DCU is a very um, grim, serious college or was in those days. Anyway, certainly the course I was on, it was very, they packed the work in. So uh, Long journey to it as well. From I commuted the whole three years like a mad person. But yeah. Mm. It, and uh, <clears throat> but obviously you always had a love for drawings, yeah. comics, and in the background. And uh, was it? Uh, did you find it frustrating? Like, oh, you, oh, you, you just you did your study. You kept doing your sketches in the evening and all. No, I gave up art completely. completely. I didn't draw at all throughout my teens. Um. I did other creative stuff, again, very much sort of on my own, in my own little bubble. I was really into music, so I had a little keyboard and I used to sort of do stuff on that. Um, 
But very, I felt very isolated. I never found my people, as it were, during those years. Uh, and particularly going to DCU, I made good friends there, but like people were just on a completely different wavelength. And at the time, I thought, oh, well, it's just what I'm obviously very weird. Um, and it's just it's just one of those things. If I'd done an arts degree in UCD, it would have been a completely different story. It might have set me off in a different path, but that's the way it happened. Um, so it was only when I graduated, it was almost like the minute I graduated, suddenly a weight was lifted and I was like, OK, how do I get out of this? That was the story of my 20s. <laughs> but you ended up in, in some financial, <laughs> yeah. for a while you worked in years. finance for yeah. years. So that was whatever, counting money or whatever, yeah. whatever you did. That would have been more exciting than what I was actually doing. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was a, a variety of jobs, everything from sort of data pro like that's that's the, the hilarity of four years of intensive academic training and you end up doing a job that essentially anybody could do. You know, that you don't need any degree for it. Like I was working with people who'd studied like ancient Greek and archaeology and it was like here we all were like battery hens inputting data. To me it all felt very strange, very surreal. But I'm interested to, <laughs> to hear what you, because when you say when you lost your job and, it, and it's interesting, sometimes that happens. It's the only way, it's the only catalyst to get you to yeah. move and do whatever you really yeah. want to do. And because you probably wouldn't have given up the job at that stage. You were, you were probably tempted. Yeah, you were yeah. tempted, but you were scared. So you lost the job and that, yeah. that was the catalyst to go, OK, well, let's start to really yes. work on that. Yeah. You mentioned just one thing. Um, you mentioned about France and the, the way that they, they dedicated this particular space to visual art. And is there something like that in Ireland? No. Um, you can apply for funding and it does seem that the Creative Council or whatever it's called now, um, they certainly seem to be broadening the remit of what they deem worthy of funding. But like comics are somewhat frowned upon there, like the the poor relative of lofty noble art um but i think maybe that perception might be starting to shift ever so slightly great orphans apex twin oh yeah yeah apex twin i don't know how you pronounce it yeah apex, apex twin yeah no i went to search for it and there's a whole lot of them i know i realized Which after it sent it yeah i like i like it's an ep with like four tracks on it and okay. I, I see i sort of listen to it in one Okay. lump but if i had to pick one track off it it would probably be the last track okay but um and it, it's it's techno it's electronic music electronic. yeah okay i just think his stuff is so beautiful i think um particularly on that fourth track you can hear it just the way he plays with and i don't know any of the technical terms but in my brain it's kind of like conflicting rhythms and stuff is out of sync but there's just such a precision a perfect precision to I don't know. Yeah, just like it.
such a what do you do what do you do in your free time i don't want to be too personal but yeah. how do you unwind how do you what do you do what do you do outside of work that it gets you because obviously i'll get to the creative flow i'll get to your books i'll get to your comics but i'm just curious to see what do you do when you go out in, in the morning for a walk or whatever yeah Getting out and moving my body is really important these days as a counterbalance to the amount of sitting around I do. Um, and like since the good weather started and it's just been great, um, I've started swimming in the sea again, which is something I hadn't done for years. And I just, oh my God, it's just amazing. It just, I don't know if you, if, if you do it yourself, but you just feel like you've been for a combination of a Swedish massage and some really good therapy. When you come out, you just it just takes everything away. It completely soothes you, it invigorates you, it enlivens you. Um, so that has actually become a really part of my, a really important part of my weekly sort of like life, I suppose. Um, walking, I love, I love just been out in nature walking and um, friends like quality time I hate parties I absolutely at this stage of my life I can actually own it and say I hate them but I love small groups where you can actually have conversation and a bit of a laugh and whether you go see a film together or go for food afterwards just a meandering evening I just love that and it's very nourishing mm. so that's they're the things and reading I love reading and I love watching good films so a lot of stuff away from technology as such yes completely yeah i try to counterbalance that as much as possible yeah and um just another thing that i never asked anybody else but i'm curious to know about you what's your favorite ho holiday what would you do what would your f if you were to pick a holiday this morning I'm, and go somewhere where would you go i'm what the worst person to ask that question to <laughs> no i really am because again i'm very very weird <laughs> I'd happily not take a holiday. Really? Yeah. Like, my friend had to convince me to go to New York earlier this year. She was over there with work. She was having, she had an apartment in the Lower East Side. And I love New York. I've been there, like, on and off. Like, I loved, I loved travelling up until a few years ago. Um, and I went and I spent the whole time going to places that people would probably consider really boring and just sitting around eavesdropping on people's conversations and putting them in my sketch. That's the person I've turned into now. <laughs> I think I just have to accept it. And then... <laughs> <laughs> I just love making my work, I suppose. And for me, I don't really want to take a break from it. Okay. Well, I like good. taking small breaks from it, but I don't want to like walk away from it for two weeks or a month. Like to me, that would be like... Mm, no. <laughs> okay. But... Um, I'm weird. That's okay. That's okay. We we need everybody in this in this world. And and then just another thing, if you if you had a choice, where would you live? Would you live in Ireland? Would you live anywhere else in the world? Well, when I went to do the residency, I was very open to the fact that I might stay there in France because I was very unmoored here. I didn't have anything really to tie me here and I was like, I can live anywhere. And I know I can live anywhere and I have the skills to live anywhere. Um and when the three months was up and they extended the residency, I could have stayed. But when the three months was up, I was like, for better, for worse, I feel like I have made, I feel like Dublin is my place, the city thereof. Um, and I have no illusions about Dublin. Dublin is very, very flawed. But it interests me 
and I feel like I'd rather be in it than away from it. And, and and trying to break into another culture and understand the psyche of another culture. I definitely don't want to live in a rural region. I tried that about three years ago and I stagnated in it. So I do know I need city. And at the moment, Dublin would be my first preference. Fabulous. The first big weekend, Arab Strap. <laughs> it's a great song. It is. And again, I, I never caught them first time around. They weren't on my radar. I was probably listening to Mozart or something. But um, when I did finally <laughs> discover them, um, again, it's just the songwriting. It's your man's written voice, like his his well, I suppose the actual tonality of his voice, but it, it's what he's saying and how he's saying it, speaking in the vernacular. It's just him telling stories about very ordinary life and it just really appeals to me. So that was the first big weekend of the summer. Starts Thursday as usual with a canteen quiz and again, no one wins a big cash prize. Later, I do my sound bloke routine by approaching Gina's new boyfriend to say that he shouldn't feel there's any animosity between us and then even go and make peace with her. Shouldn't have bothered. Then on Friday night, we went through the arches. There was only one car going, so someone had to get the train. We got through quite late, and we went to a pub to take the gear. There was no problems getting in, we saw others waiting in the front of the queue, so we skipped in. It was a good night, everyone was nutted and I ended up dancing with some blonde girl. I thought she had been quite pretty until last night when Matthew informed me she had... I want to get into talk about your books. You've, um, first of all, you have your own imprint label. Oh right? yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, but it's interesting, you call, you know. <laughs> I just want to know, what is an imprint label, by the way? Um, you print your own books. Yeah, it's just you could just sort of say, put your name on it, but it, it, you could technically print other people's books as well under that label. Although I've absolutely no interest in doing that. I, it might have just been a ruse to make myself seem more professional. No, but I mean, <laughs> you have um, you have a lot of work. There's a lot of work there. <laughs> On, on your website, that's where I yes. found all your information. That, you know, between all your sketches and your, but you also have three children's books, am I right? Yeah. What, what's it? What's uh, the last one just came out recently? Yeah, the, the we're going to the zoo. Um. Yep. Yeah, well, I actually worked on that. It's a slow process with publishing, so you can work on a book and it comes out about two years later. So I would have worked on that one last year. It was the last sort of freelance thing I worked on before I started working for the man as it were um, yeah was that a commission was it, it was yeah well it was the O'Brien Press so I had done my first picture book with them and they asked me did I want to do another one um, they generally throw out a suggestion that it relate to Ireland in some way or another because um, that's that's the market they're going for um, so I obviously tailored my story to suit that somewhat because I one of the previous guests was Michael uh, Emberley, oh, yeah, yeah. and uh, don't know if you listened to his story, but I you, haven't. I must. That's okay. You should listen to it because it's uh, it's a very interesting um, insight in the world of publishing and, and children's book. He's mm. been doing it for thirty years or so, yeah. and uh, but yeah, I'm just curious. So, and it, it, it's not something you would like to do full time. 
um, it's books. very difficult to do it full time because it's not necessarily the most lucrative of career choices. Um, a lot of people who do um, picture books and do them well and do them successfully will be supplementing their income in some other way as well. Mm-hmm. And on your um so a lot of the, the the stuff you put out on your website, how do you do you put that out? Is that just any of your sketches or any of your because you have a lot of little books as such. Um Oh yeah. There's there's some there's some great ones. There's like I love the one uh, David Bowie is not my uncle. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's another one that I think is lovely, it's uh, I play films, it's just a little uh, oh, yeah didn't realize that was still up there okay yeah so yeah. how do you distribute this oh you do you distribute any of yourself or how i was when i um so around the time i would have set up the comics lab i was i i also wanted to make and distribute my own work so i would do small print runs of of those books um and i would sell them at the comics fairs i think i've sold them all now eventually and i haven't reprinted anything um I might again, but I'm trying to focus my limited time and energy into getting proposals together to be picked up, you know, by other publishers. Okay. I suppose. Okay. okay. It was just an area that I, I wasn't too sure about whether you were going the the online route and whether there was a, oh, a market for yeah. PDF and I get you. Yeah, there is. There actually is. There are like gum I think it's is it called Gumtree? Or Gumroad. I'm doubting myself now. But there are websites that facilitate you uploading your comic. Um, people can, you know, download it for a couple of euros or whatever and read it. But no, primarily it's part of the sort of the small press scene indie comics is to produce your own books and to print them, publish them yourself. And then you get your table and you have your little like catalogue of books. That Sorry, I didn't quite understand what you were asking me. So that I was very much part of that scene and that's what I was interested in doing at that time. Okay. Have you ever been to this? There's a huge uh, um, comics school with an X in Lucca in Italy. It's no. It's huge. There's hundreds of thousands of Italy's people. Italy's great to. for comics, yeah. It's, it's massive. It's, I think it's about 150,000 people attend yeah. it. Is there something like, I know there was one recently called Comic Con or something yeah. in Dublin, but that's something different, isn't it? That's more to do with It's very um, commercial. Yeah, to me, it's the equivalent of um, it's very tied in like there's a lot of people who are sort of following the characters and they'll go in costume and there'll be all sorts of little merchandise for sale for me that's something else it's a different scene mm-hmm. which I'm not necessarily I haven't been to the, the one in Luca. Um, I met so many Italian cartoonists when I was in France like the Italians are because like France is one of the biggest market markets for comics in the western world Um and the amount of Italian cartoonists who were actually working there was very interesting. But um, I think there'd be a, a broader spectrum of comics at the Luca Festival. Yeah, because I was into, when I first came over here, I, I, I couldn't believe that there was no cartoon. Like in Italy, yeah. we grew up with uh, comics, like everybody had their favorite comics from Donald Duck to whatever it was. There's millions of them and the, the, the shops are stuffed with them. You just pick your own and you buy them. You have from number one to number yeah. two. And there was, but there was nothing like that here. I think Beano, whatever it was, there was a couple of things that they're on the shelves, but it wasn't that. Um, it's very different tradition, and we we were following in the tail wind, I suppose, of the UK. Well, we were part of it, like we we were in that that tradition. So it was Beano, Dandy, Buster, um, all very sort of, which I lo- I loved them all, but it was all very um, 
a very British tradition and it wasn't it's great I respect it I love it but yeah we didn't have the range we didn't have the spread but the graphic novels now seem to be getting uh, like uh, when yep. I go to Hodges Figgis there's more and more every time which is great Hodges Figgis is great these days I don't know who they have buying but like it's a great for graphic novels there's some it amazing is stuff and so it seemed to be getting more recognition and yeah and which one um was it for the booker prize that sabrina was shortlisted right. i mean that's a massive breakthrough that's because nice. it shows the perception is shifting that comics are something farcical that they're actually a literary genre for me they're more literature than they are visual art like they're obviously a combination of both but it's it's storytelling you know um david bowie not your uncle yeah. sound and vision that's the song you picked Oh yes, um, that song just makes me really happy. I just love it. I just love the beat of it. It's it it. When I did finally start listening to <laughs> pop music, it was one of the first kind of um, songs that really hit me, and I just yeah loved it. your relationship with uh, technology and social media aside of from work obviously if you need to use at work but what? I um, I see it as a tool but I I just don't enjoy it personally I don't enjoy being on social media I use it in a very limited way and it might make me seem a bit rude that I'm really only online if I've posted something and I'll go in occasionally just to you know check but um, I just find it very draining and I think as human beings I don't think our brains are equipped to deal with that much stimulation on such a continuous basis um, and I find it leads me anyway to feel stressed to feel overwhelmed to feel my head is too full so um, I, I don't listen or imbibe a lot of stuff through social media. Do you think it's a bit of an obstacle to creativity, for example? As in if you use it too much or what do you mean? Yeah, as in, you know, if both technology and and uh, social media, as in both the use of, you know, if you're using too much, obviously if you're spending your life on social media, obviously you're not creative in it. But do you not think... Say, for example, social media, there's, there's some, or even technology, some amazing stuff like Pinterest, you know, where you can get some great ideas yeah. about anything. But is that, do you not see that as a, like a huge community of great, creative people that you can um, draw from? Or, or, or is it just something that, you know, I, I'd rather get my own creativity from mm. other sources? 
Well, I I can only answer for myself. Everybody would have a different answer to that question. For my commercial work, Pinterest is great because it takes the heavy lifting out of coming up with something ingenious every time. And also you go into Pinterest, it sparks off ideas in your head. But for, and this is going to sound very grandiose because people will be like, you're not a bloody artist. <laughs> but for stuff that I, for for my own voice so for stuff that I actually want to write um, I find shutting myself off from what other people are doing is the most helpful thing so I find not going online and looking at what other people I think it's confusing I think you lose your own voice if you absorb too much of what other people are doing I agree but for example you know that little um, cartoon that I mentioned uh, or comic I play films yeah. which is lovely it's only a few seconds long or I don't even know what I put up there. That was actually a live reading I did, so it, it would have been I don't know. Anyway, it's it, yeah. it just this emotion of of this girl. She plays yeah. film. It, so it's a number of sketches that have been collated together into a short little yeah. movie. Okay. Uh, which is really, really nice. Obviously, it's, it's quite short, yeah. but it's not something that interests you to put out something like that. More of that because now, if you want your your work to reach out to a different yeah. generation, there might be, there might not be reading that physical is it something that you thought about it is i just feel completely overwhelmed when i think about stuff like that i that's where i probably it would be great if i knew someone who was like oh sarah i'll put that out for you um i just find it very confusing to know where to even begin yeah i think some people are a bit more savvy about stuff like that i'd rather just keep making the work and just see what happens fair enough uh, the Smiths, there is a light that never goes yeah. out. I was just telling my daughter when we were coming in that uh, I love that song. I've been listening to that song since it came out. Yeah. But for the first, uh, I don't know, maybe 15 years of it, I didn't know what it meant because I couldn't speak English. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it only dawned on me a few yeah. years ago that, oh, wow, that's uh, what it's all about. It's still a great song. Yeah. Yeah, again, I just, uh, I'm, I really am a very big Smith fan. Um, I love that album. I love all of their their very small number of albums. And um, again, he's just a fantastic lyricist. Just his words and his wit. Just brilliant. Take me out tonight Where there's music and there's people in the young and the light Finally, we get into the Dublin sketches, which is how I found out about you. It's actually a friend of mine, Paula Moan, right. uh, through social media. Yeah, yeah. I don't use social media that much. I use it for this project, but um, Paula somehow got me to onto it. Uh, the Dublin <laughs> bus uh, sketches. Uh, 
Oh yeah, yeah. I I, I think that's. I, I think I said I sent you a message once. It was a bit like one of one of your sketches. A bit like a Raymond Carver. I uh, remember that. <laughs> it was a great. Yeah. It, it really sounded like the beginning of Raymond Carver's uh, short <laughs> stories. And then the more I read, uh, yeah, I read them daily. It, it's oh, great. Thanks. But they're uh, they're a bit like uh, Roddy Doyle's Two Pints to me. Oh, you know. Gosh. You see the. Have you read any of the Two Pints? No. It, it, yeah. Again, he puts them on his Facebook of. And he has books out and there's now plays going around Dublin. Basically, it's two people at a bar talking right. about whatever. It's fantastic. It's, it's absolutely beautiful. It but um, how long have you been doing the Dublin bus sketches in particular? Since about a month after I started my job. <laughs> <laughs> so you started your job, you started commuting on the bus and yeah. you decided. How, how did it start? Um, it started because I was working full time in this new and extremely demanding job and I was like, oh crap, the next year could go by and I won't have done any of my own work. And um, I don't know, I actually couldn't even tell you now, why did I suddenly start doing that? I think I'd be sitting on the bus looking at people and having all these little thoughts going through my I suppose everybody does yeah you have thoughts going through your head and sometimes I'd be making myself laugh with some of the things that I was thinking or I'd just be so just fascinated by the details of what and there was just this girl was sitting in front of me and she spent the whole journey rolling cigarettes for like that moment when she would basically for her day ahead and it was like it was like she was working in a factory she was so organized and she, you know she just had it down to a fine art and I just um, got into work about 10 minutes early and I scribbled it down. I never posted that one up because it was really messy. I just scribbled it down and it just ignited something in me. I was like, oh, God, yeah, I could do this every day. And then the only reason why I started putting them up on Instagram was just that whole niggling sense of, oh, you have to, like, let the world know you're actually creating something or it doesn't count. <laughs> so that was like, why, but I didn't, I really didn't think anybody would ever read them and I wasn't drawing them in such a way that anybody would ever read them. Sure, I would sometimes start in the bottom of the right page and work my way back around. So I wasn't exactly making them easy to navigate. But you've kind of come to what it seems now, what I, as I say, I started to look at them in the last few months, but you seem to come to, like, it's a two-page normally every day. Yeah, two and pages. You, you have it down to that vignette of that particular day yes. uh, and um, do you, you don't do them on the bus as such? No I okay. did try that and that was terrible because the bus is really bouncy and also I'm not interested in drawing from life it's great happy for people who want to do it but that's not my objective my objective is to observe and I, I don't know if everybody can do it or is it just what I've exercised that muscle to such an extent I find it really easy. I can remember the whole journey in granular detail like I've just watched a film that I really enjoyed and I just remember everything. So sometimes I'll take notes on my phone but generally I have the whole thing on my head and then I have about a half an hour walk from the bus once I get off into the office and in that half an hour it just sort of composes itself. So I, I like I'm using it as an exercise I think um the constraint of the two pages and the constraint of having half an hour to get it all down first time um, <laughs> is good. It's it's sharpening some muscle there. And look, it's um, if anybody, you know, if they haven't seen this, should really look at it. It is a great um, snapshot of Dublin life every day. And uh, I know you have an amazing, uh, uh, and I said that to you before, as I say over social media, you have an amazing um 
knack for for uh, for detail you know mm. so the detail is, is it's just brilliant you know some of the as I said to you they, I, I would hate to see it in front of you because <laughs> you, you spot the the, the, the the hair in somebody's ears or <laughs> anything at all I you know? know which is brilliant it's absolutely brilliant that you know there's a poor lady there that she was uh, I don't know whatever jacket she was wearing that didn't uh, you know you made sure that you had it all down to the whatever mm. jacket whatever but but it's great. It's great that you're getting, and I think it's fantastic. The the pen and paper does that. That gives you that time to to put down. And by the time you put it, so when so you walk to to work half an hour, that half an hour journey on the bus plus the half an hour condensing yeah. into the two pages in your head. Yeah. And then by the time you you put it down. It's it's more editing going through, is it? As you as you scribbling down. There isn't you, really time to edit. That's the beauty of it. Um. This also has been a big exercise, although I wish I could actually have the guts to transfer it over then into my actual... I See, I don't even count that as my work, and yet I'm coming to the realisation, actually, that's probably better than the stuff I spend ages labouring over. Um, no, it kind of... Like, there are small things that I would change when I have it down on the page, but I do, I'm always surprised myself that god you can actually get stuff at the first go like there's a a sharpness or a freshness that you can get when you don't have time to overthink and i think that's what it's teaching me and now to be be honest i love things like uh you know you have mistakes you just scribble it off you know (laughs) it's great because it's it's you know it's real life that you're portraying have you thought about uh i mean i I thought when i first look at i started i thought it was months off and then i I was on the plane somewhere and your picture was on the cara magazine talking about this particular Dublin sketches, you know. And I thought, okay, there must be more to this, to this girl. Let's have a look a bit more. And is is there a book in there? Like, surely could, that could know. be a book. Yeah. Surely that could be a, <clears throat> a Dublin book. Like, yeah, I, I think it'd be fantastic for anybody that wants to know uh, what's happening in Dublin on a, on a Monday, a wet Monday morning going yeah. to work. Because it really is, it, 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 it captures the moment so well that it's, I think you should put it into a book. Oh, sorry, you shouldn't put it, whatever you decide to do, but yeah, it, yeah. there's definitely a possibility of a book there. Yeah. I am thinking about it, and I keep freaking myself out about it. But how would I do it? Um, but yeah, I want to try that. Have a look at uh, Roddy Doyle, Two Pints, because it's a similar concept. Yeah, he yeah. just, every day, I think it's daily, what is daily and weekly now, he puts it out. But it, it's just fantastic the way he just picks. He's very similar where you just collect picks this the smallest detail and it just gives you this amazing view of what's going on in, in Ireland at that moment in time you know see all the writers that I admire and I'm fed by literature more than I am by visual art all the writers that I admire are it like that was a great compliment when you said the Raymond Carver thing like Raymond Carver like Alice Munro Joyce Carol Oates our whole posse of amazing young Irish writers that we have at the moment they um it's all minimalist. It's all those tiny details. And that just sends shivers down my spine. I think it's the most exciting thing. I hate flowery language. I hate over description. But also, that, is it life? most of life is pretty simple. It's, yeah. you know, it's get on the bus, get off the bus, pick up a phone, call. And, you know, that's why you portray some guys on the phone all the time. And, uh, yeah. and do people recognize you now at all? No, no? I don't think so. No? Don't do they not like looking over the shoulder saying... <laughs> oh, she's going to write about me. <laughs> no, I don't think my celebrity level has reached quite critical mass yet. We're all right. Safe enough. 
fair enough. And then the other thing I love about it, the way you have a little translation for Irish slangs, you know, like the old ones, and, you know, the oh, yeah. old ladies. And All right. <laughs> I don't even remember half of what I've written. But there you go. I, I, I If you put into a book form, I, I will definitely buy it. Thank you. Whether it's in PDF file or, or in print, I would definitely buy it and recommend it to anybody okay, to have cool. a look at it. So we're pretty much done. Uh, the last song you have is John Grant, GN GMF. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just love John Grant. Um, particularly that album, I think it's called Pale Green Ghosts. Um, it's funny, I had just gone through a breakup. And I think that is pretty much a bit of a breakup album or it has breakup details to, in it. And um, again, he's just a brilliant writer. The wit, the the depth but there's songs on that album that are just so moving um that one's just very funny because i was like gmf what's that and it's just very funny <laughs> and uh, i always ask everybody to give me a couple of words of wisdom before they go just God. anything at all a quote I wasn't expecting that a quote from uh your favorite writer anything anything that kind of gets you going in the morning what's your Think. I don't know. I don't have anything succinct to say other than try and just keep tuned in to your own voice, your own instincts. It's so easy to get waylaid um, and just keep going. Don't give up. That's good enough for me, Sarah. Sarah Bowie, thanks a million for coming in the studio and uh, tell us your story. Thank you. You could probably say I'm difficult I probably talk too much I overanalyze and overthink things Yes, it's a nasty crush I'm usually only Concerning two-way streets, I have to say